everybody, and welcome to the Church Theology Podcast, a podcast on the church for the church. My name is Kirk Miller, and I'm here with Dan again. Hey. And we are continuing our uh, discussion on some introductory supplementary material to the book of Revelation as we are beginning to preach through it at Crossway. Um, so yeah, we, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the introductory material, like the genre, the author, audience, different approaches to the book. Let's talk about some of the content of the book. We're going to talk about the, some of the themes and the theology, its message, etc. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just start off by talking about some of the theology of the book and some of the themes. As you've read through the book, um, we can kind of go back and forth. What are some of the prominent themes that stand out to you? Maybe the biggest, like most obvious ones, as mm-hmm. well as like kind of the sub themes that contribute to the bigger to the bigger themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of brainstorm together yeah, here. For sure, like near the top would be the reign of Christ, present and future, uh, right out right of the gates. Like he is the ruler of the kings of earth. Yeah, 1 verse uh, 5. Yep. And then that vision in chapter 4 and 5. In chapter 4, you have the, th- the throne of, of God himself. Yep. And then the question of like, who is worthy? Who Sorry. is worthy? You're good. Who is worthy to open the, the scroll yep. of that, that, that um, represents sort of, controlling the destiny of history and of course we have the the lion lamb show up so christ's mm-hmm. um like co-ruling with god like being mm-hmm. sharing the throne with god himself mm-hmm. yeah so the lot the technical term theologically would you'd say that a high very high christology mm-hmm. yeah is, um, like his deity is also assumed yeah. like the fact that he's associated with god himself yeah i mean he's called the alpha and the omega who was and who is who is to come right which in one uh, what is it? One four, um, grace and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits and from Jesus Christ. Right. That's the Father, the, the Spirit, and the Son. And then later He calls Himself who is and who was and who is to come. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and He receives worship along with God the mm-hmm. Father. So like, so not only you see have a high Christology, the the deity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the the theme, like you said, of the reign of Christ, what we call the kingdom of God both in its present form of him actually having control over the realities now. Mm-hmm. He's ruling over the kings of the earth now, but then also its consummation and the fact that um, I think it's chapter 11, verse 19, where the kingdom of, of me- the kingdom of men has become the kingdom of our God. Chapter 11, verse 19. No, what did I say? You said 11, 19. What verse is it? It's in chapter uh, 11. So at the end of chapter 11, the know. kingdom of men has become the kingdom. It would be the of, end of that, that vision. 11, 19 is the start. Maybe it's 11, vision. 15. Or something. Yeah. I'm gonna, now I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. We'll trust you. Not on 11. 19. Yeah, 11, 15. Uh, the seventh angel blew the trumpet. Uh, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of our Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other themes. You have creational themes, like themes mm-hmm. of, of creation itself, like especially at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Where the original Eden that was lost by the first Adam is now regained. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. the new heavens and new earth portrayed as a new Eden, mm-hmm. a new temple city. Themes of temple yeah. show up a lot. God's temple mm-hmm. is um is oftentimes we see God's temple being opened, and that's what sort of segues into the vision. So God giving you his temple perspective of reality mm-hmm. from his temple. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the temple actually coming to earth where in the new heavens and new earth there is no temple because God dwells everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, other super obvious, just the judgment of God, the righteous wrath of God that's coming, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the salvation of God that has already come and is coming in full consummation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the people, the different people groups, you have the people of God who are sealed. 
mm-hmm. um, who are the the true Israel, mm-hmm. the true people of God. Um, and then you have the theme of the nations, the mm-hmm. nations who are both piling into the people of God as those that he redeems, as well as those who are in rebellion against God, the nations that are rage, as Psalm 2 says, that are being judged. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you also have like the the enemy, Satan, who is has some sort of influence, but it's controlled by God. He's yeah. bound. And yet through the work of the beast, it, he also has the deception on, on the nation. So mm-hmm. at one point we're told the, the, uh, that Satan can't uh, deceive the nations anymore in chapter 20. But earlier in the book, we're told that he's like the authority to deceive the nations has been given to that second beast. And so you see um, the enemy kind of persuading the nations uh, against God and rising up kings against God throughout the world or throughout the world, throughout the book. So you kind of get this picture of Babylon, the great city that is anti-God and wants to destroy. Yeah. But eventually it's destroyed. Yep. With Babylon, you get the contrast of like the city of man and the city of God. You have mm-hmm. the, you have Babylon, the harlot or the prostitute mm-hmm. that Babylon is one city. Then you have the new Jerusalem who's a bride. So you have the Babylon versus Jerusalem, harlot versus bride. Um, you have themes of worship. So there's mm-hmm. this essentially revelation. I mean, John opens up on the Lord's day is when he says he received these visions. Mm-hmm. And then as the book, Lord's day being the day of worship for the Christians. And then um, as the book unfolds, it's essentially a battle of worships. Are you going to worship mm-hmm. the beast? Or are you going to worship Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, theme of conquering, the theme of, mm-hmm. uh, of uh, being faithful <laughs> unto the end. And so the way you conquer is actually by being faithful unto death by dying. So there's an ironic twist of actually like you conquer by dying, by being faithful unto death. Even as the beast conquers you and makes you a martyr, when it conquers you, you actually conquer it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Themes of trustworthy testimony. Mm -hmm. Jesus says he's the faithful witness. This book is said to be a testimony and that testimony is intended to equip our own testimony to Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think of any other... major ones i'm sure we're forgetting yeah, things really the, i think the benefit of it is just seeing that the book's not just about some crazy creatures yeah like there are some very clear themes that run through the book that god's trying to convince us um, by which it will actually empower us to uh patient endurance right which will get to the purpose of the book yeah but there's very clear themes running throughout the book and it's not just some crazy pictures yeah yeah that's the thing is like what, what's the point of going over these themes is the, as we go through each scene and we get these symbols, they're meant to communicate theological truths to us mm-hmm. that are meant to empower us um, to actually, as the book says, to keep its message. It's a, it's a message we're intended to obey, we're intended to respond to. And these different themes teach us different realities mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is worth noting as well is uh, just how much the book is influenced by the Old Testament, that when we get these Mm-hmm. symbols throughout the book um like i don't have the numbers again with me but it's like an absurd amount of allusions that the mm-hmm. book of revelation mm-hmm. makes to the old testament like every verse is packed with an illusion there goes the ambulance every every verse is packed with allusions to the old testament so i think this is can also be corrective in terms of how we read the book oftentimes from that more futurist oriented reading of the book where people want to know like how the book is like spelling out realities of the future, it, we can almost treat the book like it's a it's a it's a coded with like mm-hmm. a puzzle for us to solve, mm-hmm. and we got to pull up a newspaper 
um, where we got to kind of see the headlines, and that's the key to understanding the book. And actually, I would say that mm-hmm. that's it's actually the reverse. Mm-hmm. the The way to understand the book is not by trying to look to the future to figure out, you know, what's happening over in Europe, you know, mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. nation is making a peace deal with another nation or whatever. Not by looking forward. We actually understand the book best by looking back, mm-hmm. by looking back into the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. as you read the book of Revelation, like get a good Bible that has little footnotes that kind of give you clues on Old Testament allusions that are being made. Go back and read those passages. The best way to understand the book of Revelation is to understand how it's picking up these Old Testament themes. Um, one author that I know you and I both read, um, he had a book where he t- he titled his book on Revelation. It was a theology of Revelation, and he called it like the canonical capstone. Mm-hmm. He described Revelation as a canonical capstone. Mm-hmm. Or another author has a book called the he calls his book on Revelation the climax of prophecy, mm-hmm. where it's a lot of times what they're doing is they're kind of they're grabbing up um, all these images and symbols and this language from the Old Testament, and they're and, and John is repurposing those things. Um, by saying all of these things are coming to their climax in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So by grabbing all these Old Testament images about the purposes of God for his people and salvation and judgment, by grabbing all those images and now plopping them sort of in this Christian use of what's happening in Christ, John is effectively saying all of the purposes of God that that existed in the Old Testament are coming to their climax in Jesus and in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the, a couple kind of qualifiers that we should mention with that is one, you, we don't have to let that scare us in terms of I can't understand the book if I don't know the Old Testament like crazy or something, right? right? Like you can still understand the book very well right. without having all that color. It will definitely add a color for us as we read. It will make understanding the book that much easier. Mm-hmm. But it's not like we can't still get an accurate interpretation. Right. Um, It'll enhance it, but there's still like an entry level where it's like, hey, you know, we're all growing in our understanding. You're still going to get the basic idea. Yeah. And then another thing is, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought here. Um, Use of Old Testament imagery. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, Is it, it it can be, one of the difficult pieces of this, John doesn't always, he doesn't just, Tell us, like, hey, by the way, now I'm going to tell you something from Joel. Yeah. And, it, you know, so some of this is sometimes when you read some authors, you're like, huh. Yeah, it can get a little I bit I don't know. Like, that yeah. was just one word which the author uses other places. Yeah. I'm not sure he's alluding back to that. So people can really start going off into left field with this as well. So yeah. you, you do have to be careful. Um, hopefully we can do that as we go through the book. Yeah. So as we as we noted those themes and we it's using Old Testament and giving us this theology, um, how would you I'm going to skip to to the message and purpose. How would mm-hmm. you summarize like the overall message and purpose of the book for us, Dan? Uh, I would I would use something like this reality unveiled <laughs> empowerment to, uh, for patient endurance empowered for. Yeah. Yeah. Patient endurance, so. Yeah. I, th- I think one of the things you'll you'll see as you go through the book is this blessed be. And so it's seven times as blessed are those who um, receive the book, hear the book, keep the words of the book. Um, but you also like a die in the Lord and, and such. So it, it, the book is meant to be a blessing. 
um, the way we've kind of wrestled with that, like how is it a blessing, mm-hmm. is in this empowering for this patient endurance that John um, is calling the church to, or Jesus is calling the church to through the book. Uh, particularly, John says in one nine that he is a brother in the the tribulation and in the patient endurance. So the church has a patient endurance, but at the end of every letter on chapters two and three, you get this call to conquer Yeah. for he who conquers, then there's the promise, right? Yeah. Um, and so the, the book is clearly calling us to conquer and make it to the end and stand firm, uh, stand walking with, with Christ. Um, and it seems to be that the, in chapters two to three, you get that call, from chapter four to tw- near the end of the book seems to be the fuel that is meant to strengthen us towards that. Right. So you get these visions that are actually supposed to give us strength to conquer. And that, in fact, is the blessing right. to the believer. Is yeah. when they re- we receive the power through seeing theologically theological reality unveiled to us. That it's like, that's this is how we can actually go forward. Yeah. So that's what we've titled the sermon, um, which we have up on the slides, you know, while we're preaching. Reality Unveiled, that's what Revelation is doing. It's unveiling reality. The subtitle to our series is then kind of like the aim of like, what is it trying to accomplish? Mm. This empowerment to faithful endurance. And I like how you drew kind of like the structure of the book too, where it starts off with, you know, these messages to the churches. To compare that like to Paul's letter to the Romans or his letter to the Ephesians, we oftentimes think of Paul structuring it with the theology comes in his first half of the book. And then the application in the second half of the book, Revelation, you might think of as kind of doing the reverse. It mm-hmm. starts with a lot of the application. Like this is what you should, this is how you should respond mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as we read this book. And then as you said, four through the end is like the fuel. It's like the visions mm-hmm. that are meant to like energize you to do that, yeah. that very thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am curious though, now thinking about that, like what, what makes you excited as you, as we go through the book as a church? I just feel like this book is incredibly relevant um, Mm -hmm. to us. Um, I think especially as we feel like our culture and society is more more and more tumultuous. Mm -hmm. I think as we live in a culture where a lot of us are affluent, it's always been relevant Mm -hmm. to us. But I think a lot of Christians um, experience turmoil and are are very nervous about just where they see things going in the Mm -hmm. world. And so it's, it is a, the book of Revelation is one, it's going to snap you out of your, out of your stupor if you're a nominal Christian. Mm-hmm. It's also just going to mm-hmm. be a really good encouragement if mm-hmm. you're if you're a nervous Christian. Like like going back to the idea of beatitudes, um, there are there's a way of reading the book where people kind of anytime they approach the book they just feel super nervous mm-hmm. and they're almost scared by everything. Like oh this world it's it's uh, everything's going to go crazy. Like I'm glad I won't be here for that or whatever. Mm-hmm. I read the book and I'm like man it is so encouraging. Like mm-hmm. you should be like blessed are those who keep the book. Like yeah, you should feel encouraged. Like the book is a very positive. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff, but the whole point is that God is in control of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to face crazy stuff, but you can have assurance, you can have confidence. So I think the book really is uh it's just super applicable to us. Yeah, I agree. I th- yeah, I I don't know. I feel like what I'm most excited about, I don't I think it's just a good reason. I like I really I really want people to feel like they can handle the book. Yeah, like they can be able to yeah. read it. Because if this book is supposed to be a blessing to the church that gives us endurance, I I don't know any like believer that doesn't want patient endurance. Like we all want that. And this book promises like to give us that. And so, yeah. but we have to be able to handle the book, uh, you know, 
to right. see how it works and to, to not be afraid of it and to, to enjoy the book. Yeah. That's so. been one of the things I think I found the most encouraging and exciting as well is as we've yeah. studied the book, you know, I just started off by just reading it, mm-hmm. you know, over and over and over and over mm-hmm. on my own, not using resources, just reading it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you find when you do that is like the book is far more easy to understand yeah. than you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, yeah, granted, it's a difficult book, like by comparison to other books. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 understandable. Like, I, th- I really do think the average person can pick up this book mm-hmm. and understand it. Maybe they won't understand everything. I don't understand everything. Mm-hmm. You know, none of us yeah. will. But like... Yeah. The general idea of the book is really encouraging. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you ready to move on to structure? Sure. Yeah, Thanks. let's do it. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about the structure of the book, particularly the macro structures, so the high level, big picture. Um, when you think about a book like Revelation, um, like what I mean, what are you looking for when you're trying to find the macro structure in a book like this? Yeah, is it any different than other books in the Bible in terms of finding macro structure? Hmm, interesting or, question. Yeah, I did what not. Did you, what did you do? Yeah, I did not screen these questions. See, so these right off the cuff, like first <laughs> thoughts I have and such. Um, I think you know when I first read it. I mean, as I as you often do, you're kind of looking thematically. Like, are there obvious like changes in subject matter or mm-hmm. themes like because revelation is made up of scenes like it's like mm-hmm. you go through a movie you have different scenes like you can look for the scenes that's one way of of doing it um i think the more that both you and i read the book it became clear that not only can you break up the book by these sort of scenes mm-hmm. and subject mm-hmm. matter um but there were also some really like really helpful textual markers. Yeah. There were like repetition things that, yeah, it was just like, it made the structure so clear to us, mm-hmm. like where he was repeating certain lines throughout the book and he mm-hmm. used phrases to mark off new sections. Yeah. Just particularly to start sections and to end sections yeah. that just became very clear. And yeah. let, let's say to here, we're not going to, in this podcast, we're not going to overview the whole structure. Right, Dan right. already did that in his sermon. We're also going to make a YouTube video where we go over that material mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So you can kind of maybe a little bit more slowly go through that and watch that in case the slide wasn't very, uh, wasn't like big enough for you to read on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but here we're just, just kind of, see it again or just again. to see it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, we really do think, I know that might sound like, well, I already saw it. We really do think it's helpful to, to get a handle on the structure. Yeah, it's I one agree. of the most helpful things for this book. Yeah. Um, but here, what we're doing is just kind of making observations mm-hmm. yeah. about like, assuming you've already kind of done that material. Yes. Yeah. And I, I feel like for a, like, I don't, I think this is what you're kind of saying. Like when you can even just start to feel the book kind of make a movement on, on you. So yeah. even if you read the book once or twice, having never read it, again before like after that just one one or two times through you'll notice that chapters one through three just feel like much more manageable yeah right? they're mm-hmm. like these letters to, to yep. the churches yep. and then all of a sudden you're in these crazy visions right? right so even that in itself like helps you see like oh there is some sort of a, st- a structural piece here uh which actually is significant yeah that but then when you start seeing there are, are other textual markers that make that all the more clear uh, you really start to see something develop. So what would you say were the most helpful pieces of information that you did find that helped solidify what we see as being uh, a structure of the book? Yeah. I mean, the most obvious ones that everyone's going to agree on recognizing that you have like sequences of sevens. You have seven mm-hmm. seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Like, so obviously we've mm-hmm. like yep. seven messages yep. to the churches. We should obviously get some of those big things out of the way. Mm-hmm. I would say like some of the repeated phrases we found though, mm-hmm. um, 
that they're, they seem to be clearly used to mark off sections. So like the repetition of the phrase to show his servants, yeah. um, mm-hmm. the opening of, of heaven, the, the way that each of mm-hmm. the sec- subsections closes with like the culmination of judgment and salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did those markers show that these are, these are units we should recognize, but it also showed what we'll probably get into is a little bit of that recapitulation idea that we're getting mm-hmm. scenes mm-hmm. Of, of kind of the same the same event going on here, mm-hmm. of like the closing out of, of God's purposes for history. Yeah. What would yeah. you say? Yeah, I, I wouldn't really wouldn't add any anything to those. I think those are all um, right on. Um, but go ahead and start. Tell us again. You just said the word re- recapitulation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell so us about that. That's a fancy word. Another maybe more manageable word would be like parallelism. Um I'm sure some scholars like dice out all of these, but yeah. on a regular kind of talking level, you can talk about like repetition or parallelism, however you want to say that. Basically, there are two views of the book. Um, most people who hold the kind of the view that the book is talking about the future, they'll hold to a view. Uh, they'll hold to a view of the book where the whole book is laying out like a sequence mm-hmm. of events. Um, so, which we this, covered this in the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you get the the futurism idea. Yeah. So, in that view, the sequ- the sequential idea of the structure of the book is that, like, the seals are first, and the trumpets, and the bulls, and those, like, happen in order. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. view that we hold, and we think that this is, you know, this isn't just some random idea we came up with. This is something we see, like, evidence for in the book. And I just think it makes the books make so much more sense, mm-hmm. is that these different, you know, units throughout these books, these different sections throughout the book, are actually like parallel to each other they're repeating the same sort of i the same sort of events from the, from a different perspective mm-hmm. so one illustration that both you and i used i don't we didn't realize we were both using this yeah, illustration. we probably got it from somewhere we probably got it from somewhere i was or like we're both brilliant yeah i was uh it's probably not that one though <laughs> i was using it in a in our in our text group and you were using it in uh we used it in the text group the yeah. next week when i wasn't there and they were yep. like wait kirk used and the I, same I illustration yeah So, uh, and you weren't there the week I was doing it. So anyways, one illustration that we found to be helpful, which I'll just say it again here because it's it's helpful, is this idea of like if you're watching football and uh, so the Packers are in the NFC Championship this this coming Sunday, we hope they they beat the Buccaneers. And let's say Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown and it's a spectacular touchdown. Well, you saw it live, right? You saw it in regular motion. You saw it live, kind of that sideline camera. Now, what are Mm -hmm. you going to do after Mm -hmm. they score the touchdown? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a disputed play, they might actually do the whole challenge thing where you get like these zoomed in lens of like, was the wide receiver's foot really in bounds? Um, outside of challenges though, you just get regular replays. Mm-hmm. Maybe they focus in on another wide receiver that ran a really good crossing route that distracted one of the defensive players, or maybe they focus in in another replay on the blockers who gave Aaron protection. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know anything about football, the point is, you know, they're focusing on different parts of the mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Now, would you say, well, those are different plays altogether? No, it's the same play, but mm-hmm. every time you see a replay, you're getting kind of a different angle on the same event. And that's a helpful way to think about what's happening in Revelation. Mm-hmm. You get the seals, you get the trumpets, you get the harlot, you get all these different things, and they're going to focus on different aspects. They're going to teach us different things theologically. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but they're all sort of repeating the general course of, of reality that they're unfolding mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we've seen a little bit like those first four uh, in terms of the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven signs, seven bulls, sort of being like the full replay in some sense, right? Yep. We're yep. watching the whole play over again. Yep. The full seven seconds. Of From it, like the coming of Christ to the second coming of yep. Christ. Yeah. Um, and then the section from 17.1 to, uh, what is it? 21.8 or something or like that. Yeah, or, uh, yeah 21.8. Um, as sort of being like you, you watch the play in normal speed and all of a sudden then you slow down for the last half second to watch the ball land in the player's hands yeah. or whatever. Zoomed or, in, like yeah. kind of a zoomed in scene mm-hmm. of the very where you, end. Where in, in, the, in Revelation, it's, it's focusing more on the final judgment there at the end yeah. in the final consummation of the kingdom. Um so you have like these seven visions that happen that are we would put it all in recapitulation, but there is definitely a focus uh, that happens that's different right. on each and one. And each of them focus, yeah, focused on each one. So it's it's good to have that understanding at the outset that as we go through the book, you don't get lost and kind of like, well, where are yeah. we now? Like, make sure you keep in mind, like there are there we're going to be going through repeated replays mm-hmm. as we go through the whole book. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you could just say like. The one or two things that really just sealed that for you finally. I, obviously, there was. Yeah. It's not it's some of seeing this the book this way, the recapitulation or progressive parallel parallelism. However, you're gonna whatever you're gonna give it a title or yeah. label. It's a there's multiple um, evidences. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are like the two of the biggest ones for you? Yeah, I would say the uh, the ones that stood out to me the most is like how each of the cycles ends. With a with the cult like scenes of culminating salvation and judgment, mm-hmm. so like statements like "it is done" yep. like coming, yep. or like the destruction of of the harlot yeah. coming in. You know, two different. We have the details on this in the slides, but like of where those references are. But like things being judged, you know, like fully judged, completed, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like, chapters later, it's completely judged again, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Wait, I thought it was already judged." You mm-hmm. know, so like the these scenes of completed judgment. Mm-hmm. Coming at the end of of the sequences sequences of seven, as well as then like the repetition of the great battle. So mm-hmm. like the Armageddon battle gets repeated, and it's like how many times is this great battle yeah. going to happen? You know, or yeah. the culmination of salvation, like the kingdom uh, of man, chapter eleven, verse fifteen. The kingdom of man has become the kingdom of our God, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like into the next sequence, and you're like, wait, I thought it was over. Yeah. Like it ended. Like mm-hmm. the kingdom is now here, but I get apparently it's not. So like, what do you mm-hmm. do with that? Either you have to argue that. You know, the harlot is destroyed multiple times. Armageddon mm-hmm. apparently happens multiple times. God's kingdom comes apparently multiple times. Mm-hmm. Or more naturally, you assume, okay, we're rewinding and we're going through it again mm-hmm. as a, as a mm-hmm. replay from a different angle. Yeah. That's really what sealed the deal for yeah, me. I, as I, I read it, some of those some of those are pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like one that the structure is seeing, which we've already talked about, seeing things open and close the same similar pattern. Uh, but it was that judgment piece that was that really helped me to see it very clearly. <clears throat> that fallen, fallen is Babylon. Happens twice. Uh, but for me, probably the judgment one that was like, whoa, I just, that one really seals it for me. It's like when the mountains are gone and the sky vanishes already in chapter six, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at, after the sixth, uh, seal. Yeah. And so you're like, the sky's gone. Yeah. The mountains are gone. The islands are gone. And then they're, they're back the next chapter. Again. Just to get destroyed again. Yeah. It's like, it's like whack-a-mole. It's like, no, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's what's happening here. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then to see that happen again later, 
uh, in the book, and then happen again at the at the Great White Throne of ju- of Judgment. Yeah, uh, it just that really sealed it for me as well. Um, I turned off my screen. What question Where were we? On we? Uh, um, the benefits of seeing the structure of the book. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would say the benefits is really it's it's kind of necessary in order to have a correct interpretation of the book, mm-hmm. like. You need to be able to sort through. Do you think the book is sequential? That's mm-hmm. going to change. You're going to have an entirely different reading of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you think it's recapitulation. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. your understanding of the macro structure will affect your interpretation of the yeah. smaller parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think too, it brings out the urgency of the book to me. The fact that, the fact that John keeps telling us like that, uh, I like the way I summed it up in the sermon second one was like triumph through tribulation yeah that there is tribulation on earth but there's triumph coming in fact you triumph right through the tribulation now the fact that he keeps telling it this this replay i just feel like you hear the urgency of the book so you get that prophetic message yeah um like with the ethical aims he's looking Mm -hmm. for us to respond yeah it changes the book from like viewing it as like oh this is all future this doesn't have to do with me the church isn't even going to be here anymore you know to a view where it's like no he's actually writing two churches because we're going to be here yeah. he says these things are about to take place i'm yeah. going to repeat these things to you because you need yeah. to hear it over and over and over again yeah, it right. all screams like this is very applicable like you yeah. need to know this stuff mm-hmm. yeah and so by the time you get to the the judgment of the great city babylon and and the the angel says come out come out of her i, I just feel like it's very potent by that point because it's just you just keep seeing this replay yeah so um, I also, yeah, well, let's move on. Uh, the last question there. Yeah, there you go. If there is really recapitulation, why are the scenes and the visions so different? Do you want me to answer that? Or do you want to answer it? Um, I guess I hadn't thought of, I wrote it. I <laughs> well, I'll, so I'll give you my thoughts and then you can, yeah. add. um, I hadn't read it either, but, um, I would say, yeah, you could ask, well, why does he need to repeat himself so much? Doesn't that show that it's not recapitulation? Like, that seems redundant. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's not redundant. Um, going back to the football illustration, I can show you the entire um, football play of Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers throwing that amazing touchdown. And then I can also zoom in and show you mm-hmm. the coach on the sideline. I'm not mm-hmm. repeating. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm showing you something new. Right. Um, or I can sh- zoom in on the on the football player's hands to show you that you really got possession. Now, technically, those hands were in the original shot, but you probably didn't notice mm-hmm. all the detail. Like, mm-hmm. that's similar to what John is doing. Yes, it is repeating, so mm-hmm. to say, but the fact that he bring, he uses different symbols, mm-hmm. um, he structures it differently, he mm-hmm. emphasizes different things. Mm-hmm. He's trying to teach us. He's not just unfolding. This isn't just a, you know, a timeline. Mm-hmm. This is a theological message, and the way he chooses to structure and emphasize things is going to teach us something mm-hmm. different. So when we get through the, when we go through, the, I think one of the you know thoughts we have is like preaching through the book. After we preach the seals, you know these the series of judgments, and after we preach the trumpets, a series mm-hmm. of judgments. Then you get to the bowls. You're like, well, how much more can be said? Yeah. We've already had so much judgment. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, that kind of makes you nervous to preach it. You're like, we've preached so much judgment. What more am I going to say when we get to the bowls? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I have a lot of confidence that by the time we get to the bowls. And we study the bowls out, we'll realize that John is portraying things in, a, and again, another unique way that teaches mm-hmm. us new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I also find it fun to think about, or puzzling to think about why he uses different numbers throughout. Like, why, as if we're, we're saying that a thousand years in chapter 20 
is the same time period as three and a half years or 1260 days, 42 months. Right. Why is he using these different numbers to refer to the same period? Right. Uh, again, we have to remember we're in uh, apocalyptic literature. Numbers are symbolic. Um, but I have found that more interesting to think about as well. And it goes right along with what you're saying. It's just, it's meant to draw out a certain flavor and stir us up in a different way. Right. So, I mean, just quickly, you could think about like, let's, let's say, um, there was a, a service, a serviceman coming home from being deployed yeah. and his wife and kids are at the airport, right? To meet him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about this illustration this morning, so I haven't actually said it. We'll see if it comes out good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're, they're waiting to see him. He, he comes off the, the plane, runs to them. They have this wonderful, sweet embrace, and you talk to them afterwards. At one point, early in the afternoon, he describes the, the meeting once again as saying, that me running from the plane to my family, that took hours. Yeah. Right. Took forever because yeah. he was waiting yes. to be there. To, and to, really, you know, it's, it's about 100 yards, right? Yeah. But he, Didn't like, take hours. Yeah. But it felt like it did yes. from one perspective. Now, later in the afternoon... He, he tells, retells the same thing. He says, I seriously, like that probably took me five seconds from, yeah. to get from the, the plane to my family. Now, obviously it took him a lot longer than that because you're running, a, nobody can run hundred yards in five seconds, but it's, it's capturing something in your mind as you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's like in that sense, it's like, man, I, I sprinted. I maybe, maybe I was already sore. I could, my legs hurt from sitting on the plane, but I didn't care. I was bursting through that because I, I, it was everything to me to, to embrace my family or something yeah. like that. There's probably a better illustration. This point being like we use you can use numbers that way because you're trying to elicit something in the audience as you feel it and think about the, the passage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or to use the football illustration, you could talk about like when Aaron Rodgers threw that Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if you mm-hmm. used this on Sunday, but when mm-hmm. he threw that Hail Mary against the Lions way back yeah. to like win the game, mm-hmm. you could say like the ball ha- hung in the air forever. Yeah. Yep. At the same time, you could say that comeback came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? Like it was so fast. Like the, the, the two seconds that changed the history of the Yeah, so you can just speak yeah. of it in different yeah. ways. So like, so like in the book of Revelation, the numbers, he might say three and a half years. Maybe the idea is to convey like it's a limited time yeah. that you'll go through yeah. suffering. It's not even seven. It's, it's not even a seven. full seven. It's yeah. not even completion. Yep. Like number of completion, yeah. But then in the, the, the uh, millennial kind of numbers could be like, it's the max amount of like God's ordained time yeah. for his, like his 10, martyrs to reign or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Um, yeah, I think that covers it. Anything else yeah. you'd say? No, I, I, I like it. All right. So I would just say, too, if you're listening to this. I like the book. I like the book. <laughs> I like what I had to say about the book. <laughs> I would just say, if you're listening to this, go ahead on the church's YouTube channel and check out the structure video that we'll go through. Where we'll try to lay out a little bit more visually as well some of that structure for you. And as, again, if you have questions as you go through the book, Uh, feel free to go ahead and email them to us. We'd love to talk about things that you'd like to hear discussed so so that this can be of service to you. All right, till next time.